This is the Monetize Everything Podcast, a place where people just like you can learn how to build wealth, improve personal finances, and start an online business all online. Now, here's your host, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker, George Pitts. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to today's episode on the Monetize Everything Podcast. It's your host, George Pitts. And today, what I'm going to do is give you five tips to financial success. These are five tips that you can actually incorporate today. You can literally start them right now, and it can change your whole landscape financially. When you look at your finances, okay, your finances are a definition and a direct reflection of you as a consumer and as a steward, okay? Because anything that you get, you are a steward of. When you get a home, you are a steward over that home. You are a steward over your vehicles. You are a steward over the money that you make. What you do with that determines if you are a good steward over your particular possessions, okay? And then when you look at the other side of that coin, which is if your finances are jacked up, Or if they're good, this also shows you as a consumer. Are you a great consumer? Are you you a great steward, right? Because great consumers are people that are just that. They're consumers. They're constantly buying. They're constantly spending money they don't have. They're constantly, um, you know, putting the credit cards on the counter and swiping them for things without thinking about it, okay? That's a great consumer to retailers, right? I'm not that great of a consumer. I don't spend a lot. I don't buy things that I don't need. And I'm very, very mindful of what I spend my money on, right? So many retailers will not market to someone like me because I'm not going to apply for your credit card to get 15% off because I understand what that does long-term. I'm not going to fall for your you know, uh, Black Friday deals where you, you're selling me some old stuff that's that's inventory that's been in the warehouse for a couple of years and it's already depreciated anyway. And you're going to sell it to me a little bit cheaper, right? That's just not what I'm going to do. Now, if I do happen to find something that's a a gem uh, in that particular ad, then I might bite, but it has to be something that I need. And it definitely needs to be below what I've expected it to be. Because if I need something, I've done the research on the cost. So if I see that I need a new washer and dryer and I've researched the kind that I want and I know that's going to cost me about $1,000 for the washer and dryer set that I'm looking at and I'm able to see on a Black Friday sale or some other type of sale that that some of these uh, retailers have that I can get that for $800 or $700, then yeah, I'm going to bite on that because I know for a fact this is less than what I was looking to spend for this same particular model or something very close in value to that. Uh, so I'm not the greatest consumer when it comes to retailers. They don't market to people like me. They market to people that are great consumers. Okay. Now let's talk about these tips. Tip number one, and these, uh, let me give you a warning before I get into these. They're going to be very simple. Some of y'all are going to be frustrated after you hear this and people are probably thinking, why is he even telling us this? This is going to make people not listen to it. No, I'm just going to be honest with you. These are things you've heard before. These are things that are very simple. They're not anything that's going to blow your mind because you've heard it before. And I'm going to tell you something. There's not very much you're going to hear when it comes to this that will blow your mind because it's not as difficult as you want it to be. 
People want things to be very complex and difficult because then they can give themselves a pass for why they're not doing it. So when people hear things that are very simple and easy to do, some people get frustrated because they're like, I've heard that a thousand times. I need to hear something different. I need to hear something new. Why do you need to hear something different or new to do the same thing that you're going to have to do anyway? Okay, so let's get into tip number one. Tip number one, live below your means. Okay, what does that mean? I tell people your net income, 40% of that should not, your living expenses should not exceed 40% of your net income. Okay. So if you have a household net income of, let's just say $6,000. Okay. You should not be exceeding depending on, of course, where you live. Uh, You know, in New York, this might be hard to do. California, San Francisco might be hard to do. But you should not exceed $2,400 in living expenses. That includes your your rent or mortgage and your utilities. Those are your living expenses. 40% should not increase. To me, 40% should should be sufficient, okay? If you're paying more than 40% of your living expense, of your income, on living expenses, you may be living above your means. Okay. Um, now, one of the things that you know some people might uh, you know flip you know flip on is the fact. Well, I live in a town that you know I live in a city that is very expensive. Well, do you have to live in that expensive part? There's got to be some suburbs that are cheaper, right? Well, I, you know, my, I, it's only ten minutes to get to work. If I move where I'm going to save two or three hundred dollars a month, uh, it's going to take me thirty minutes to get to work. Okay. Well, you know, you got to decide. Uh, is your time worth that? Because if you're if you're telling me that you can make three hundred dollars for thirty minutes of a drive, that's literally almost six hundred dollars an hour that you would be making for that drive back every year. Because you're literally gonna if you're gonna save three hundred dollars a month on a thirty minute travel time, why not? You know what I'm saying? Um, so so that's something that you need to look at. Live below your means. Um, I, you know, it, it really, really bothers me whenever I see people who have, you know, they, they have car payments, they have mortgages and they have all these things after being in a place of employment for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, because, you know, if, if you think about it, if a person that brings home, let's just say 50,000 net, if you've got, whether, whether it's a joint income or whether it's a single income, if you bring home 50,000 net, over the course of a year, net after your gross, uh, over a 10 year period, guys, that's over a half a million dollars. And you've got some people after 10 years of making and bringing home $50,000 a year combined or even single income, um, that still have a mortgage that's only 200,000 that they've been in the house for 10 years that still have a car payment, right? Uh, that, that they owe 15, 20,000 on that still have, you know, when you you just name all these things, right? That total less than five hundred thousand dollars. What are we doing here? So live below your means. I'm not going to get too much on that because then it will just take up too much time on 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 today's episode. So number one, guys, live below your means. Start to find ways to cut your costs, your your cable expense, your your cell phone, financing those iPhones when you don't need the new one. Uh, find ways to cut your expenses. Put your iPhone if you're if you're financing that iPhone X and you're paying $30 a line and you and your spouse got one, that's an extra $70 a month that you're paying on that phone. And if you multiply that over 24 months, because most phones are come with about a 24 month 
21 month commitment, that's $1,600. I mean, that's just ridiculous to me. So, uh, and it's probably more than that because the iPhone X is about a thousand dollar phone. So it's probably closer to 40 or $50. So anyway, live below your means. Okay. Number two, build your emergency fund. Okay. You should have an emergency fund. And I tell people all the time, you should be saving 10% of your gross income. Okay, so if, if your gross income is $3,000 every two weeks before taxes, you should, be able, you should be putting back $300 every two weeks, period. Okay, if you, somebody, oh, I can't afford to put that much back. That's a lot of money. Well, then where is that $300 every two weeks going? Because you obviously have it. You know, if, you, if your check is two grand after taxes, you've got $300. But where is that $300 going outside of your living expenses that is something that eventually is potentially could be paid off? Is it going towards a credit card? Is it going towards a combination of a credit card, a car payment, and a high uh, insurance, bill, insurance uh, premium because you've got this expensive car, right? What is it going towards and what do we do to eliminate that? 10% of what you make should be going back. And some people might argue, well, that's a lot of money, George. You know I mean? Is that really necessary? Well, let's think about it. If you put back 10% every month for, you know, um, a year at $300 every two weeks, right? So that's $300 times 26. That's about $7,800. If your bills every month for you to live on is, let's say, $2,400 for your living expenses, Every year, you're going you're gonna to have about three months of living expenses, which is very, very good uh, because that means every year you, you are literally building three months of living expenses. So if you're at a job, it happens all the time. The average person stays on a job for four and a half to five years. So if you're staying on a job, let's say for uh, five years, and that's $7,800 a year times five, that's $39,000, okay? That means if you divide that over 3,000, um, that means you've got literally 13 months of living expenses. Do you know what you could do with 13 months of not having to stress about bills? And I, again, I'm not gonna get too far into this, but unemployment's not gonna pay your full salary. Regardless of, due to popular belief of people thinking, oh, well, if they get rid of me or lay me off, I'll just get on unemployment. It doesn't work like that. You're, if, you're, if your expenses are built around 100% of what you take home and unemployment is only going to pay you 60 to 70%, 30%, something's, something's going to give. Something is going to give, whether your car is going to get repossessed, your credit cards are going to go into default, your credit's going to get shot, which means that when you finally do restore your credit and you go out and try to finance something, your interest rate's going to be higher, which means that your overall cost for something is going to be higher. There's so many people out there that you've got a person that's got a 750 credit score that can walk away with a 2% or less interest rate that pays maybe two or $3,000 for a, an interest for a vehicle over five years uh, versus someone that gets that same exact vehicle but has a 550 credit score and gets an interest rate of you know 12 to, to 18%. And they're going to end up paying six to $8,000 more for that same vehicle uh, over the course of five years, you literally pay for a second brand new Hyundai or Kia or Fiat in interest over a five-year period. So literally, when you finally pay off that car, you've literally 
potentially played off a second brand new vehicle of lesser value, of course, uh, over the course of five years because of your interest. A lot of people don't think about that. They're just worried about the approval and what they get. So anyway, build up your emergency fund. As you guys can see, I can go down a rabbit hole if I need to, but we're not going to do that today. Build your emergency fund, 10% of your gross, okay? 10%. Number three is you need to create a budget, okay? A budget is very simple. Start with your most important expenses first. And then as you go down on your budget, when you're building your budget, you'll start to get to things that don't matter. Okay, so the most important thing that you need is a roof over your head. So that's going to be either rent or a mortgage. Okay, that should be at the top of your list outside of tithes and offering. If that's something that you do, which I recommend you should. Once you've got your rent and mortgage at the top, next you need lights, you need running water and you need gas. So you're going to put your utilities. Those things are very important. Okay, and then, of course, I used to think that Internet would be farther down, but because you can make a, a money on the Internet and if you got the Internet, you should be figuring out a way to make money. I would put the Internet somewhere around probably four. Your auto insurance is probably going to be three because your vehicle needs to be covered. You just never know what's going to happen. You want to make sure you're covered because, you know, if you hit somebody or your your vehicle causes an accident and you don't have insurance, it could change your whole life financially whole life. So your insurance should be up there around three. Uh, then you go down to probably internet, cell phone. Uh, now, of course, you know, if you're paying a ton of money for cell phone service, you need to start looking at alternatives. They all have very solid service these days. Of course, if you're in a rural area or you're in an area that, that doesn't have a lot of coverage from certain carriers, I get why you would want to go with a specific one. But if you're in a big city where the coverage is just pretty universal, you know, you, do you really need to go with, you know, an expensive carrier when you can go with like a T-Mobile, you know, this $35 for unlimited talk, text or data or a Mint Mobile or, you know, something along those lines where it's $20, $25 a month, unlimited talk, text and data. And, they, and those alternative cell phone companies, they use uh, they use the same towers anyway. Mint Mobile, which is what I switched to from T-Mobile. T-Mobile is the cheapest of the big of the bigger telecoms companies. I switched from Mint Mobile to T-Mobile, or excuse me, T-Mobile to Mint Mobile because Mint Mobile was only $240 a year per phone. I was paying $160 for three lines. So it, a month, which was still really cheap, but uh, I could pay $240 a year per phone, which literally about four to six months would pay for my whole phone service for the entire year for all three of my lines. So uh, I, I'm able to do that with Mint Mobile at $20 a month if I pay it up for the year uh, and get unlimited talk, text, and data. And guess what? Mint Mobile uses T-Mobile's towers. They lease their towers. So it's not like I'm not getting technically the same service. I've been with them now. This is my second month, and I have not noticed any difference in my service overall. I still get 5G service, or excuse me, 4G service, uh, and I, I still can text and receive and stuff. Um, it, you know, it's, it's pretty simple. Um, then you've got family mobile out there. You've got straight talk. You've got a ton of alternative, uh, Metro PCS, uh, cricket. You've got a lot of alternative cell phone providers and they all use different providers. You know, uh, straight talk, they use AT&T, 
Sprint and Verizon towers. I think they even do some of T-Mobile's towers as well. So you can take any phone that you have and, and, and go over to them and they can activate it for you. Uh, so, you know, we need to look at where these extra expenses are coming from. Like I said, as you go down that totem pole on your list and you get to the least important things such as, you know, uh, your car payment, you get to, uh, cable TV, you get to gym memberships and, 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 uh, timeshare payments. And you start to get to the bottom of that list. You'll realize that you got three to 500 dollars or more going to stuff that you don't even use that much or that you can definitely find for a much reduced rate that's going to do you the same uh the same justice so definitely take a look build a budget because this is going to give you a great idea of where your money's going and like i said even after you build your budget if you realize okay i only pay twenty four hundred dollars a month we bring home a total of five thousand i pay twenty four hundred dollars a month total and all of my expenses, yet I'm bringing in $4,000 a month. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. $1,600 is going somewhere. You're spending on entertainment, food, uh, you know, going out, clothes, you know, expensive stuff, whatever. That's a lot of money to be unaccounted for. So make a list, uh, budget and uh, find out where you're, where you're putting stuff at. Okay. Number four is create a repayment plan for your debt. Uh, you must start to build a plan to pay your debt off. The more you let credit card payments linger, the more money you're going to owe. Credit card companies are good at charging you interest, okay? Get a plan to get rid of that balance. Same thing with a car payment. Just because they give you a five-year agreement does not mean that you got to wait until five years to pay it off. Find a way to make some extra payments. Don't be using the option where some of these companies give you the skip a pay option around Christmas and summer. A lot of banks are doing that now where the summer is like, oh, summer's here. Uh, you know, call us today to skip your monthly payment and have an extra, you know, a couple hundred dollars in your pocket. And so many people jump on that. And then when Christmas comes around, people have literally built their Christmas around having the skip a payment. Oh, I pay $500 a month. Call up the bank. Hey, are you guys doing the skipper payment? Yeah, we were just about to send it out. Would you like to sign up? Yeah. The banks love that because now they get to add that payment at the end of your balance every single year. So if you skip that payment every year for five years, guess what? Instead of paying it off in 60 months, it's going to be 66 months because they're going to put that payment at the end of your balance, which means that at the five-year mark, you've got six more months left, or would it be five more months left of payments? potentially six, depending on your interest rate, maybe even seven, because you kept skipping payments throughout that five-year mark, which means that you're going to get closer to six years of paying that off because when interest tax on plus the five months extra that you skipped every year for five years, you're looking at probably seven to 10 months of extra payments, which is just outrageous. So that means that if you have an extra two to four payments at $500 a month, you're literally going to spend one to $2,000 extra for that car on top of all the interest that you've already paid anyway, just to be able to skip the payment to buy Christmas gifts to, to people and, and, and do things in the summer that you don't need to be doing. Get a debt payment plan together and pay off some of that debt. Come on, guys. We, we, we got to do better. And number five, you need to build multiple streams of income. You need to find a way to build more income streams, whether you 
you know, start a Instagram page and become an influencer, whether you build a website and start putting ads and affiliate links on there and, you know, adding blog content to draw people to your site organically, um, or you end up just doing speaking engagements, you do some consulting work. You know, if you're in the IT field, it's easy to go and contact small businesses and, and offer to do their computer work on evenings and weekends for extra money. Uh, same thing with some of you administrative assistants. Tons of us uh, online entrepreneurs like myself, we're always looking for virtual assistants to do different things that some of y'all already do in your nine to five. Um, and they pay very, very well for people to do that. So there's tons of ways to make some additional money, make, find some ways to build some additional streams of income, and then find ways to diversify it. If you're making an extra $1,000 a month doing hair or an extra $1,000 a month doing computer work or administrative work or whatever kind of work that you do, take that extra $1,000, pay that extra towards that credit card until it's paid off. If you're paying two to $300 a month on that credit card and you're paying an extra $1,000 on top of that and you pay it off, now you got $1,300 a month to play with. So let's work on chopping down that, that, that $12,000 balance that's on your car. If you're paying $500 a month on that car anyway and you add another $1,300 to that, uh, that's $1,800 that you're paying towards this car. If you do that over the next eight months, you're going to be able to pay, or actually six months, you're going to be able to pay that car off in six months instead of if you just continue to pay that $500 a month and you got a $12,000 balance, uh, it's going to take you another 24 months to pay it off. So literally you could pay off that car in six to eight months. If you add on the payment from the extra side hustle that you're making of a thousand dollars or more and a couple hundred dollars that you're getting from having that old, uh, credit card that you finally paid off. Now you've got $1,800 to deal with. Okay. Now you can look at paying off that student loan that's been lingering. It's got a 10 or $12,000 balance. You can get that paid off in eight or nine, eight to 10 months, or, you know, you can start paying a little bit extra towards, uh, that, uh, that mortgage, or you could split it, take half of it, pay it towards, you know, the mortgage, if that's the only debt you got left and take the other 900 and look at a way to scale your business, maybe hire someone to do certain things so you can make a little bit additional money from that extra side income. Or you could take that $900, learn how to trade stocks and, 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 and start to make some more money off of stocks to where now eventually the money you make in stocks will free up that $900 that you've been, that you've been using to build another stream of income. You could put the full 1800 plus half of the money you make from stocks and add that onto your mortgage. Now you're looking at paying three or $4,000 a month in mortgage, and you're still being able to put back 10% plus some of the money that you've got left over from stocks and different things. And things are just rolling. I know that was a lot. So some of y'all are going to have to replay what I just said, because I just said a whole, whole lot. But trust me, listen to it again five or six times, get it into your system and digest it. So listen, here's the steps. Step one, live below your means. Okay. Step two, build your emergency fund. Step three, create a budget and stick to it. Okay. Step four, find a way to pay off your debt. Come up with a debt payment plan to, to finish your paying off your debt sooner than what it's, than what it's scheduled to be. And number five, create an additional stream of income and take that money, pay off more debt and then split it over time to create another stream of income that's going to, again, 
help you produce some additional money. So thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. Hope that this helped you. Hope that this encouraged some of you uh, to go out, dust some of your skills off and actually put those things into play and let them make money for you. So listen, everybody, if you're committed to taking care of your money, your money will be committed to taking care of you. Until next time, make sure you guys go out and monetize everything. Thanks for listening to the Monetize Everything podcast with George Pitts. Visit us at georgepittsco.com for show notes and more resources on how to build wealth, improve your finances, and multiple streams of income all online.